Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. All right, so welcome to another exciting episode of the Vanguards of Healthcare podcast series. My name is Matt Henriksen, the Medical Technology Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, which is the in-house equity research platform here at Bloomberg. We are pleased to have with us today Farhani Ahmadi, co-founder and CEO of Eddie, a medical device company that is innovating new ways to help diabetic patients monitor and control their glucose levels. Farhani, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And Let's start because it's, you know, we're here in November. November is Diabetes Awareness Month. And I know that is something that hits very close to home to you. So why don't we start off with your experiences and how you use them as inspiration? Um, absolutely. So um, I was diagnosed over 10 years ago. Um, it was the first year of my PhD. Everything was uh, was going well. And unfortunately, I had the symptoms and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And um, I went through all the initial period of um, um, changing my lifestyle, becoming insulin dependent. And um, especially the first few weeks, it was obviously a very um, uh, large amount of adjustment that needed to be done. But very quickly, I noticed how um, emotional of a condition it was. Um, I felt lonely a lot of the time. I went back to the lab. I started, um, um, you know, getting on with my life as usual. And for example, in the middle of an experiment, I would start going low and I would just have to abandon everything in the biochemistry department and go look for a vending machine to get some juice or uh, to treat it or go on continuous highs. Um, and no one really around me would understand what it was like, um, what it felt like going on those highs and lows. And um, it stopped being about the numbers and more about controlling uh, your emotions, your productivity as you managed your diabetes day in and uh, day out. Yes, it's, it's, it's a, it has to be a roller coaster of um, emotions and being able to handle all that. And, but you're not the only one. And there's millions of others in the space who are type one and even millions more who are type two. Um, walk us through the steps that they're going through as well as they're kind of dealing with that. Um, and, you know, regionally as well. Um, what, what are some of the trends that you see, whether in New York, California, or kind of in the Midwest and kind of how the access for those patients may differ? Um, uh, yes, of course. So, um, at the heart of it, uh, diabetes is a very complex condition to manage, and um, and you have to manage it every 
single day. That's very important to remember. It's not just food and exercise and medication that um, uh, that affect your blood sugar. It's a whole lot of things um, that you do. Um, it's internal, hormonal um, that affect your blood sugar. So it becomes harder and harder. And it's always um, good to keep reminding ourselves what will motivate these patients day in and day out to take care of themselves. Um, and that's the most important thing, um, to provide them with the devices and with access to care. Now, um, patients usually look after themselves between their doctor visits, but at the doctor visits every three months or so, it's important to have that checkpoint, uh, ensure that you're taking the right dose, that you're on the right type of insulin, and you have the right devices that um, that would help you get the metrics that you need um, and that you're engaged with your care. And now, over the past uh, couple of years or so, there has been a deficiency in access to specialty care, particularly in middle America. There have been pediatric units within hospitals that have unfortunately shut down. And as a result, the pediatric endocrinology uh, departments also consolidated. A lot of pediatric endocrinologists left town. So a lot of families, um, especially who have children live with T1D, um, don't have easy access um, that is close enough for them to to go and have those routine visits. And and so w- with this reduced access, is this a a, a distance thing for the, the the patients, or is there other components as well? Um, it uh, it really comes down to um, a couple of factors. Uh, first of all. Um, as we discussed, is the closure of the pediatric units in a lot of hospitals. And secondly, uh, pediatric endocrinology is a scarce specialty. Uh, There aren't that many of them around. For example, in the state of Oklahoma, where we launched our product, there are nine pediatric endocrinologists serving a population of almost 3,000 families. And Oklahoma is not a small state. (laughs) Not at all, exactly. So um, that really exacerbates the problem. and, And that is why the families end up driving for hours only for a routine visit or, or getting a second opinion, um, especially once the, uh, especially when their child is recently diagnosed. Yeah. So that it's definitely a, a, an access problem there. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's gotta be a tough headwind for these patients with that direct access and being able to reach those endocrinologists. But luckily uh, one of the positives of, for the treatment for diabetes or the monitoring of diabetes is the, the rise of CGMs. Um, for those who are new to this space, could you help us um, explain what it does? And you know, as a type one patient yourself, are you are you using one? Uh, yes. So um, I wear a CGM, and it is a, a small monitor that you wear on your body, and it um, it sends your blood glucose readings to your phone every five minutes, um, and uh, that not only enables you to know what your blood sugars are and to respond accordingly, but it has also uh, facilitated the rise of remote patient monitoring and virtual care. Uh, Time and range right now is uh, equivalent to HbA1c in terms of the metric used to assess how how well um, a patient is monitoring their diabetes, and that has opened a lot of new doors in terms of diabetes care and access as well. Yeah, I think that the the connectivity is crucial because it helps not only the patient be able to get access right away, but it helps 
parents get access or loved ones get access to that data. Absolutely, and not just loved ones and parents and guardians in in your family, but your providers as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, so they get access to that data. They are able to monitor it and also triage and prioritize the patients who are most in need. And that that kind of then brings us to Eddie itself.、Um, could, why don't you start with just a you know a description of what what Eddie is and what it. What it helps with the patients?、Um, absolutely. So,、uh, with Eddie, we can take a step back and、um, talk about how how complex it is to to manage your diabetes.、Mm-hmm. The good thing about CGMs is that they provide you with real time、uh, data and in、um, information about、um, about your blood glucose. However, unfortunately, the downside is that they have no mechanism. Uh, to actually know about what is going on in your life that is impacting your diabetes, what is the what is the user up to?、Uh, what are you eating?、Um, how much sleep are you getting? How are you feeling?、Mm-hmm. Um, and to make that、uh, to make the patient engaged with their care and um, and um, enabling them to have a place to to share.、Um, To share their lifestyle, to share what is going on with in their day with with Eddie、mm-hmm. and with other people in the community, and that is where we come in.、Um, so Eddie is a little character that lives inside of the app.、Um, it's a little leaf, and it's a very dynamic and smart character、um, that responds、um, it, to to real time glucose levels,、um, mm-hmm. and it also uh, uh, uses AI to. To understand what the patient could be doing at this time of the day, how they,、uh, Eddie asks you how you're feeling every day, and we also make it a fun experience.、Um, it all goes back to、um, improving outcomes in diabetes. Really, is about what the patient is doing every day、um, and and how they're managing it.、Um, and we、uh, make it a fun experience for them. We educate them about diabetes, and we also offer them support. In the form of mental health and through virtual care. All right, and so then, there's a lot, actually, a lot of things to cover there.、Um, it just sounds like it, you know you're, you're providing an engaging feature to all the data that gets pumped in. So it's not just a number; it's you know you're adding it so that can be able to improve the engagement for those patients. And then when you talk about the telehealth component. First thing that comes to mind is like Levango, a company like Levango. How 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 is that similar or different to kind of what Levango is offering? Very good question.、Um, so we are different from Levango in that.、Um, We engage the patient on a day-to-day basis.、Um, Livongo offers coaching services that is more reactive, based on how the patient is doing and based on historical data. They have no real-time integration with any CGM or other devices. We、um, we only care about real-time data, especially when it comes to your blood glucose, because as a patient, I really don't care what my blood sugar was two hours ago. I want to know what it is now,、mm-hmm. so that I can. Respond to it and take the right action. So that is the first thing, and we really think about engaging the patient and creating value to turn managing diabetes into、um, something that they want to do 
and they love tracking rather than a chore that they have to do or someone has to call them to remind them to do it, mm-hmm. whether it's taking medication, whether it's, um, you know, um, attending that doctor visit, etc. We are way more engaging than that. And we do that uh, through a number of different ways uh, that is delightful. It is fun. We do it through gamification, real life rewards. We have our gift cards feature uh, coming uh, very soon. Um, we, the uh, the patients can personalize their interface. So you can see your CGM app in any way that you'd like. And we have uh, kits for the users to purchase um, uh, on, on our app for it. Um, and we also ob- obviously offer them all the education that they need for children, for example, in, in a child-friendly way and, um, and offer them the support, um, through, uh, through our chatbot interface that will launch very soon as well and through virtual care. Okay. And then, so starting with the, 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 the reward program that's going to be coming out soon, how does that work with uh, the patients? If the patients are utilizing the app more, they'll get more of a gift card or what, what, what's the kind of the, the plans around that? Um, so we, um, we um, encourage um, healthy behavior. Mm-hmm. And if you exhibit that behavior, then you get rewarded for it. Uh, we do um, encourage staying in range and time in range. However, we do not penalize the patient for when they are out of range. Um, and mm-hmm. that is because a lot of the time it is out of the patient's control. Uh, my blood sugar goes very high and I do everything I can and I have no idea why. Yeah. And it's just the way life is sometimes. And so we we we, uh, we try to avoid that, but we do reward them through, um, uh, through gift cards, through hearts through mm-hmm. through games that they can play mm-hmm. uh, community features um and um, and surprise surprises from eddie and exclusive items inside the app and so now you're, you've, you've started the commercial rollout um i believe you're in oklahoma and texas and you're going to be in a few other states or you're already in those other states we already are okay. we are uh, live in the state of oklahoma texas louisiana um arkansas Kansas and Nebraska. Okay, so middle, middle that's middle that's like the pure definition of middle America right there. Um, what have you learned so far through like the the first few thousand patients that you've uh, launched on? Um, very good question. So we have learned that access to care is truly a problem. Um, and with it, access to, to education um, is a problem. And that is why we um, try to offer them those services. We, we educate the children and families about diabetes. We offer them virtual care um, so they can uh, speak to a pediatric endo at the top of a button and and get the um uh, get the advice that they need and also to for um uh, as a mechanism for these families to be able to talk to one another uh mm-hmm. community for them to interact with one another on our platform that's great and then and then how for these states are you reaching out to the endocrinologists are you going directly to the hospitals is it kind of a mix of both how how, how does that penetration 
work to get to the patient awareness and patient access? Um, we use multiple uh, different channels to get to our users. Um, social media is a big one for us. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to the providers, uh, we've got an enormous amount of support um, from provider groups, clinics, um, who, who would like to recommend Eddie to their patients because they know that their time and range would improve if their patients use Eddie. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, we before we went commercial with Dexcom, uh, we ran a clinical trial with them. We did a randomized control trial uh, with 100 patients, and half of whom used Eddie, the other half who continued with their usual care. And uh, we, we, we proved that the group who used Eddie actually improved their time and range by 5.38%. That is equivalent to 1.5 hours of optimal additional optimal glucose control every day. And that is why provider groups uh, like working with us because they know that it has a direct impact on their patients' outcomes. And then it kind of goes into the, you know, that being able to have that remote access that mother doesn't have to drive their kids for hours to, to the nearest endo to get advice on how to, you know, treat the pay, treat their child one way or the other. It's you know you get that remote access right there, which is uh, quite something. Absolutely, and one one point that I'd like to emphasize is that uh, we offer our virtual care as a complementary. Um, service to mm -hmm. their main care team, mm -hmm. uh, whomever, whomever that team is uh, in terms of pediatric endos and social workers and nutritionists and, um, and coaches who they work with. It is, um, um, a tool for them if they would like a second opinion. If um, a parent, for example, would like to speak to a pediatric endo or a nurse practitioner um, um, immediately regarding an issue, if they would like you know, to get on a call with someone to get some advice on um, uh, on um, insulin dosing or, or carb ratios, we are always there at the top of a button so they can do that uh, from their home rather than having to drive hours um, to get that. That advice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you also mentioned the the Dexcom. Is that is that a formal partnership or was that um, just something that you worked with for the uh, the clinical trial? So it, it is a formal partnership. It started with the clinical trial, but mm -hmm. we are um, official commercial partners now. We have a real time API partnership mm -hmm. with Dexcom, um, that is one of the largest uh, CGM companies in the US. And what that allows us to do is to stream streamline the real time glucose levels onto the Eddy app. Yeah. And their accuracy is top tier. So if you're able to improve it 5% on top of that, that's some powerful data to show to these hospitals and to show to these endos. Uh, absolutely, and the uh, the uh, the app version that we actually um, had for the clinical trial was a beta version. Mm -hmm. We are much better than that now. We have um, five times as many games. Uh, we are introducing the chatbot. We did not have virtual care or remote patient monitoring, so we're only improving. And um, we we hope that uh, that the time and range would only improve further and further. Now, is that something that you could potentially partner with some other G CGM manufacturers in the future? Uh, yes, uh, we are tirelessly working uh, 
um, to integrate with other uh, CGM companies and insulin pump companies. 70% mm -hmm. of our clinical trial users uh, were wearing an insulin pump. Mm -hmm. um, so we are speaking to them. Partnerships uh, with these companies, unfortunately, takes a very long time. Um, and there are many regulatory hurdles um, and privacy hurdles for us to um, uh, to get over. But I hope that uh, we uh, we do get um, uh, to um, uh, to make our partnership partnerships official, because at the end of the day, going back to the user and and thinking of the user, they really should have the freedom to see their um, their health data on any interface that they choose. Yeah. And actually, I want to take a step back and uh, just put on your entrepreneur hat. How how did you initiate that conversation with Dexcom? Because they, I mean, they're a large large company, and it you said it takes some time. So walk us through the the, the plans, the perseverance, the detours you had to take to get there. Because that's that's a huge step, you know, for being a founder and you know starting from the ground up. It's a huge step to kind of be able to. Uh, realize that partnership? Um, so we started um, our talks with Dexcom around uh, three years ago. And I was, I believe, at a dinner um, and I just happened to sit next to someone from Dexcom, mm -hmm. uh, from their data team. And uh, we had a very um, uh, beta, uh, minimum viable product of Eddie uh, at that time. And I, and I showed him the product and he really loved it. And uh, we, we started talking about uh, streaming Dexcom's real-time um, uh, uh, real-time blood sugars on on Eddie. It all started there. Back then, they did not have the API ready. Neither did we. <laughs> um, so it was um, it was very initial conversations, and um, and we went through a lot of hurdles, um, including running the clinical trial to prove health outcomes before we entered a commercial partnership with them. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and so let's. You know, we go to, you know, we, we, we're setting up these partnerships. You're setting up the commercial launch. Who, who are the patients that you're initially accessing at this point? Because it was designed for pediatric patients. But is it something that can be eventually reached out to adults if it's not already? Um, uh, so, yes, our product um, has been designed for children. Our mm -hmm. clinical trial participants were 5 to 12-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was initially our target market. Um, today, more than 50% of our users who have downloaded the app are adults. Um, adults they, like games too. <laughs> we're all big kids, yeah. right? And um, so uh, we were somewhat surprised by that because we did have plans to launch an adult version later. We did not expect to up the uptake to be so soon. Mm -hmm. And from uh, the feedback that we're getting from our adult users is that they actually pretty much pretty much like the app as it is. Obviously for um, a type one adult and especially for type two adults who have who are wearing a Dexcom and and have um, and have been using Eddie, there are a few features that need tweaking, including um, perhaps a, a diet plan um, and, and other lifestyle um, choices that they make. It's obviously different from, from a child, uh, but the um, fundamental features of our app remain the same for both groups. And uh, we see engagement from adults almost as good as engagement that we see with children. 
And what is kind of the engagement for these patients right now? What's that kind of retention rate that you're seeing? Uh, we are seeing around um, 70 to 80 percent retention up to week four, okay. uh, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue to um, to track that um, as we grow. We've only launched a few weeks ago, and um, we hope that we will maintain that retention down the line. Yeah. And it, well, I mean, it already sounds like you're getting some upside with the adults. Um, and it, se- it seems like the... You know, when I'm thinking about the patient pools, there's type one and there's pediatric and there's adult. And then there's type two and there's also pediatric and adult, or maybe not so much type two pediatric, but for the for the sake of this conversation, we'll 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 include that in there. Do you see that there will be maybe three or four different versions of the app that you'll have for these patients that are kind of customized for those? Or do you think that the app in its core function is good enough for all four? Um, we we are having those discussions internally right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it is as much of a, um, a branding decision um, as it is um, a core functionality and the technical decision and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and patient-wise. So um, we are considering launching a separate product, perhaps a, you know, just a... Um, slightly different um, um, look and feel to it, but uh, but we haven't come to a conclusion yet. Yeah, and you know you're only four weeks in, so exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the you know the other thing too is that you know the reimbursement landscape is always important for startup companies. How how does that look for Eddie um, as you're launching? Um, that's a very good question. And um, as a startup, obviously, um, being sustainable, particularly in this economic climate, is very important. Um, but how we think about it um, at the end of the day is, uh, are we providing value to the user? And if we are providing value, then uh, the users would be happy to pay for it. And that's exactly what we see right now. We um, we got a lot of pushback um, about being a direct-to-consumer healthcare company mm-hmm. uh, 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 investors being worried that patients won't users won't pay for this pa- families won't pay for this and and we disagree because we think that if it's something as complex as managing your child's type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. or, or your own bl- diabetes and uh, we add value um, to your day-to-day life um, every day, then patients will pay for it. And that is what we are seeing now. So we have a um, direct-to-consumer premium version. Um, we charge um, around $6 a month for it. And then we will have um, a separate pricing for our virtual care component. Okay. And so, I mean, but it's interesting too, because you did do the clinical trial. So is that, I mean, would that be something that you could potentially long-term be able to go to insurers and say, we have this data, it shows that 5% improvement. What do you you think you could pay for that $6 a month? Is that something that's in the strategy? Because, I mean, you've done the work. It seems like that being able to convince the insurers, showing them that data, showing them that it works is something that could be useful in the future. We have proven health outcomes, and uh, we continue to strive uh, to uh, to prove even better health outcomes. Our one metric that matters at Eddie is an improved time and range. That's mm-hmm. what we focus on the most, and we believe that if we continue to engage the user, if we continue to 
add value to their diabetes management, then that health outcome uh, will happen. Mm -hmm. And as a result, as a result, payers would want to pay for this as well. Um, right now, we are trying to prove it over a longer period of time. We have mm -hmm. just gone to market, um, but we absolutely b believe that at the end of the day, if it's something that is saving a lot of uh, money for the payers, improving the patient happiness, engagement, and um, uh, at the end of the day, one out of every four dollars in the U.S. that is spent on healthcare goes into diabetes. So if we can improve those outcomes, reduce the long-term complications, and um, and as a result, the cost, then then I believe that they will come on board. Yeah, and that, that's you know, I mean, like I said, you've done the you've done the grunt work already with the clinical data um, generating that, uh, and so yeah, you know, we have the launch of the app. And you've done a lot of work there, but you're also the CEO of the company. And so you kind of have to wear both hats. How are you prioritizing both of those? How are you balancing both of those key functions? So me being the CEO and... And, develop, and the founder and developing the app. And it's just, um, you're, you, as a CEO, you have to wear many hats. Uh, that's a really good question. And um, being a CEO of a, of a larger company is very different than being the CEO of a small startup mm -hmm. and, and growing it. As someone who lives with type 1, I, um, I'm very close to the problem. It's something that I've always wanted to work on. And I always go back to that, uh, go back to the why. Mm -hmm. uh, why are we doing this as a team? Why do we care about the users? What impact are we having on their lives? And um, I continuously strive to communicate that to the team as much as possible. Uh, but in these economic circumstances, um, as a CEO, um, my priority number one is that Eddie uh, continues to grow mm -hmm. um, and sustain itself and survive um, while also maintaining the team morale, mm -hmm. uh, ensuring that we work well together internally as a team, that everyone on the team gets to speak to users, get to understand them, interact with the families, uh, with, uh, with the type twos who've picked up our app and continue to engage with the community so that we can continue to serve them. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if we do that, then um, um, then we will continue to um, to grow and hopefully um, improve those cl clinical outcomes even more. Yeah. And actually, one of the things that I'm taking away from all this is, you know, and I I did some research into your background before this interview and, you know, you were you were in school in London, you're in school in Boston. There is no connection to middle America. And so what, 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 what was the kind of the light bulb that went off that said that this is an unmet need um, and I have something that I can use to help them? Um, if anything, um, given that I was in London and, and Cambridge and, mm -hmm. and then Boston, I always had access to very good care. Mm -hmm. And um, hearing families talk about not having access to endocrinologists, mm -hmm. not having access to specialty care, not having a full team of, um, of professionals look after them, it really highlights the problem that um, it, of um, how much of a gap 
in, in, in diabetes care there is across America. Um, living with diabetes, it doesn't matter where you live. Managing mm. it is the same day in and day out. It doesn't matter if you are in middle America or living in big city. Mm. Um, it is challenging and it's extremely complex. Um, and it was through organizations like, like JDRF, um, like the ADA that we got to interact with a lot of these families and hear out their problems. Mm -hmm. Um, we got on calls with, uh, with parents who almost broke down on the phone because they had driven 11 hours across state lines, um, to, to take their, their child to see a pediatric endo. And that really shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Um, and that is why, um, it really opened our eyes to the to the big gap that there is um and how much they were suffering not just um, um you know with diabetes management but mentally emotionally um taking care of a child that um that was really in desperate need of appropriate health care yeah no it's um yeah you definitely found that unmet need and so you know we'll close out and like when we start thinking about the next year next two years next five years let's say what are some of the main goals that you were trying to get with these patients are you um is it more of an expansion is it more of a deep dive to make sure these patients are retention mm -hmm. how, how do you see the next few years playing out um so we would like to continue to become a an integrated and one-stop shop platform where the user goes to meet their diabetes needs and healthcare needs, whatever those might might be, uh, whether it's day-to-day uh, -day tracking and engagement, engaging with the community, um, uh, refill your prescriptions, see a doctor, see a mental health professional. It doesn't have to be all scattered. Mm -hmm. It can all happen in the same place. And as a result, we always strive to improve health outcomes. And in terms of um, users, yes, geographical expansion obviously is is important, uh, but um, we really want to add value to users who are um, uh, who are managing really complex chronic conditions. Uh, we have started off with diabetes, um, and um, and uh, let's see how that picks up in the next few years or so. And we have plans to expand uh, beyond that as well. Well, it, it's a very exciting story. And Srahani, thank you for coming in today. A pleasure to be here. Great speaking with you, Matt. And thank you to the listeners for joining us today. Feel free to follow us on your preferred app for future episodes. Take care. down has begun from may 14th to 16th a thousand global leaders will gather in doha for the carter economic forum powered by bloomberg 
Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.